0: I'm going to stop there for a moment. That, what we're looking at, is the most holy place. That represents the presence of our most holy God. And what's sad, in one sense, is that there's a veil there. There's a divider there. You can't see. You can't get in there. It's divided off for the people. Exodus 26, 36 then says, You shall make a screen for the door of the tabernacle, woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen made by a weaver. And you shall make for the screen five pillars of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold. Their hooks shall be gold, and you shall cast five sockets of bronze for them. Okay, what does this all mean? This is where we're really getting at today. This is all set this up now of where we're at. We have one entrance into this whole tabernacle in the east side and it's at right at the courtyard. The other veil is what separates the holy of holies from the holy place, the tent of meeting. They both speak of holiness and separation. that should say something to the people. You can't come any further. This is it. Stop. Because the separation, they can't see the inside view. They were denied the kind of access that we would love. How would you like to have that around you all the time, but yet knowing you can't go in there? Wouldn't it drive you crazy? Wouldn't you like to just go in and just take a peek? I'm sure everybody did. The only thing they know was the truth about it though. The priest could tell them what was there and people helped make these things, these curtains, so they knew what was there. But none of them could see it with their eyes as it was being put up. The whole point is that there is separation, that there is distance that God had at that time. There's a need for a mediator between God and sinful people. So what's He going to use? Priests. The mediator has to go in there for them. God made Himself known, but He says, Sir, I'm not going to be so accessible. You can just walk right on in here. That's not what we're going to do. God's people were kept from His presence by the most holy place. And he said, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. You just said that God wants us to fellowship with him to really be in his presence. Yeah. Cuz in Exodus 25 verse 8, which was where we were looking at last week, and he says, "And let them make me a sanctuary, why that I may dwell Among them. That's His whole deal. Make a sanctuary. Did they make a sanctuary? Yeah. They built that. Right. This is the goal that God has. He wants to be among His people so that they would worship Him. Man had been given, originally, way back in Genesis, charge under God's authority over all the earth. The animals. Everything in it. He was in charge. God gave him authority. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Matter of fact, man walked with God. Adam and Eve walked with God. What does walk with God mean? They had fellowship together. Every day they would have this meeting together. And they would talk. Somehow you walked with them. I don't think they really saw him visibly, but there was definitely a presence there that was incredible. The fellowship must have been just unbelievable with God. Walked every day. But there was a problem. That's when the sin happened. The problem wasn't with God. He's not the problem. It's with mankind. And all of mankind inherits that. Inherits that sin. There had been grand treason committed by man against his Creator. Can you imagine that? That's what we did. We committed treason against God. We were enemies of Him. We turned on Him. You say, Well, Adam and Eve did that. Yeah, but we are in Adam. Somehow, some way, he represented us. We would have done the same thing because we still do it today. Even with Christ, we sin. Okay, now, who separated from whom? Did God separate from man? No, we know that. Go back to Genesis. Let's go back to that great story and of, of creation. And what He did with Adam and Eve. And then all of a sudden, we see that there was one thing that they did that changed the history of mankind. God says in verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And He said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Did God really say that? Did He really mean that? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Do they know about that? Yep. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. God said that they would. But somebody else says, no. Isn't that the way it works in the world today? Here's what the truth says, but here's what somebody says over here. They tell you things that are not based upon truth. And that's where we get into trouble. We listen to them. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows the end of the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Temptation doesn't come in an ugly package, does it? It kind of looks good. On the outside and what's on the inside? Rotten. But you'll notice when you look at Christ, He may not look good on the outside from your human eyes, but on the inside He is beautiful. She also... Um, gave to her husband with her and he ate and the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now they make coverings. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I put a covering over their bodies and here we go. Here's where we're in at. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What does that mean? It's our appointment with God. This is our time that we always get together. This is an important time, right? They look forward to this every day. This was the highlight. This was it. The sunum bonum of life. To be in communion with God, the best, closest fellowship you could possibly have at that time. And what do they do at this time after sin has happened? Do they go and run towards God? Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Among the trees of the garden, like they're going to hide from God. They're going to go out and hide behind a tree. <laughs> go out there in the, uh, out in the jungle. Uh, it's interesting, Lord God called Adam and said, where are you? It's like, God doesn't know? Of course He knows. He gets Adam's attention, Said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was afraid. Why were you afraid? Because he knew he sinned. He knew he went against what God said. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? God knew that. He wanted him to confess it. The man said, The woman. Whom you, I'm you. <laughs>
1: Whom you? Who's
0: he blaming? Well, he's blaming the woman. But who's he really blaming? God, whom you gave to be with me. She gave me the tree, and I ate. See, isn't that what we always do when sin happens, or something happens that we don't like? What do we? Do? What's our first re- reaction? We don't take responsibility. It's because we inherited that from our great parents, Adam and Eve. That's the sin nature that we still have. What do we do? <laughs> We blame it on somebody else rather than take responsibility of our own. What do we do? Somebody else made me do that. And then God speaks to the woman. What's it you done? The serpent deceived me and I ate. And then He tells the hope they have. One of these days, the seed's going to come. The Messiah's going to come. He'll take away this sin. In the meantime, you're going to die. And they did They were separated right there. They ran from His presence. They left Him. Did God leave? No. He was always there. He was there. This was disobedience of humanity. That is where it all starts. That's where it's all at, folks. That's where our hearts are at. Unless Jesus Christ is our life. They send. They alienated themselves from God. They hid. God has to put them out of that great, beautiful Garden of Eden. Everything changed. Everything was so beautiful. Everything so perfect. The splendor of it all. And it was gone like that. Now you have weeds cropping up. You have even in God's great creation, and it is beautiful. It's still there, but it is so tainted and corrupted with sin. Everywhere you turn, it reminds you of sin. Even in the seasons, you go through winter time, and you can't wait until spring happens. I've got a feeling every one of you here can't wait until. 65, 70 degrees come, even 40 degrees in sunshine. <laughs> but that we look forward to spring and summer, don't we? Maybe not so much summer, in time you get in July and August. Okay. And you love fall, but what does a fall remind you of? It's dying. Winter's coming on. You can think, you have animals, animals die. You have plants, they die in three days. I mean, it's just constant, constant. Your relatives, uh, yourself, you, you, you die. What do you do with all that? Everything is dying. What do you do? Well, that goes back to Adam and Eve. That's where it all started. I mean, there was a wide gulf between God and mankind. There was a rift in this relationship. And God didn't say, Okay, that's it. You're out of here. No more mankind. I'm recreating. I'll make some aliens. (laughs) Well, we are aliens. (laughs) Recreation Recreations, right there. Anyway, they were shut off out of paradise. No longer could they get back in. How would you like to be in the sense that they were and all of a sudden you're outside? You can't get back in. It's impossible. It cannot happen. They're separated from God. Death is the consequence. And they died hundreds of years later. Spiritually, they already were dead. They were separated. They didn't have what they had before. It was like, can't you give us a second chance? God is showing how serious it is to disobey. Even to disobey our parents. Is a sin, and that's held against you by God, because He says, "Children, honor your parents." How about when you any of those other ones that are dealing with the Ten Commandments, whether it be uh, dealing with the mouth on language or wanting all of those things? You know, we break, we break. The way is almost open here in Exodus twenty-six. Almost open. There's a much better way to approach God now. They, they, they have this tabernacle out here. Through the priesthood. Now they can go in there. The priest will take my sacrifice that I brought up to the altar and they'll take it into the holy place. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest will go in there for me and the whole country. And my sins will be taken away until you sin next. That's why there was a continual sacrifice. Are you catching this? There had to be a sacrifice all day long, all night long. The sacrifice just kept on going. Jesus comes and he says, "This is it. I am it. You don't need the priest anymore. You don't need the tabernacle anymore. I am who you need. I take away your sins. They were just representing me. I'm the one. Did you know that all believers have a priesthood? We now have access to God without any help from anybody else. It's great to have help. But we go straight to God now. We go straight to the Father having that access. The access is granted. But the innocent... Had to die in our place. Remember the animals? Innocent animals. Just pop them up there. They're perfect animals without spot. Boom, they die. Blood is shed and it's taken care of. Your sins are taken care of. Not for eternity, but it represented that. Look in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. What did Jesus say? I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. Nobody, nobody goes to the most holy place but except through Me. And that's not through any person, not through any religion, not through any body, but it's through the person of Christ. I am the way, Jesus says in John 6. If you turn to Hebrews 9, verse 11, we are not shut, shut out anymore. We now have the access. Hebrews 9.11 says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. Look at this. He entered the most holy place. Look at this. Once... For all. It's been done. Once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. Therefore, brethren, Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is His flesh. Remember the curtain right here? That was torn top to bottom when He died. And when that happened, He said, Access, you come right on in. It's no longer stop, come in. The veil was His flesh. It says it right here. It's a new and living way. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. To know that what He has done when He did that on the cross, and it was a once for all thing, Never to have to be done again. Don't have to go back and do the animal things. Christ doesn't have to go up there and do that again. There doesn't have to be any more sacrifice. He said on the cross, it is finished. Teleos. Which means it's come to its completion. It's done. The work is done. We can't do anything to satisfy that. We can't do anything to resemble that. He says, I am the way. In John 10, he says, I am the door. What are the curtains speaking of? No access. Stop. Can't get in. What's the torn veil speaking of? It's through Christ. We have access. It's granted. The veil is Christ. God made us to seek Him. When we as believers now, take this as believers, when we carry sin in our hearts, we can feel outside a veil. Sometimes we feel like we're outside the curtains. Have you guys ever felt that way? A matter of fact, you even feel like you're way outside the tabernacle. You can't even see the fence about out there. We might be distant. We might feel very empty. We might feel aimless. Does this sound familiar? Are we ever there? Do some of these things happen? Sometimes we feel so disheartened with life and everything that goes with it. We have a low-grade zeal for Christ. Is that true? We can be there, can't we? It would be good to check ourselves, to examine, because it's all about relationship. How has your relationship with Jesus Christ been? Do you talk with Him? Do you read read His Word? Try to understand who He is about, what He is, what He has for you. It would be good to check ourselves to see how we relate to other people. How are we relating to other people? The way we live in relation to others Is indicative of how we relate to Christ. How you relate to other people is how you relate to God. That's why fellowship is so important. It's been said, you've probably heard this before, I think it's out of 1 John, if we don't love our brothers who we see, you know what's coming next? We can't love God who we don't see. Do we love our brothers? to have access to that that feeling of the presence of God? How are we relating in our walks, our own lives? God always has a remedy. All He wants to do is us to turn from our sins and run to Christ. Run to Him. Turn from the sins. Run to Him. He wants to dine with us. He wants to sup with us. He wants us to enjoy Him and be excited about Him and go right into the Holy of Holies. We have that access. Enjoy the beauty and the fellowship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what the curtains do? They foreshadow for us Jesus being our sanctuary, our sacrifice, and our great high priest. Let's pray.